I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everyone. Hi, welcome back to the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. In today's episode, we want to talk about summer safety. Uh, with summer right around the corner, we thought this would be a great opportunity to chat about summer safety in terms of like nutrition, hydration, and just, you know, general well-being in the summertime. Yes, it's very important. And with the nice weather, it can get easy to be distracted by that. So you want to make sure you're taking care of yourselves because health is just as important in the summer as it is in the winter. Exactly. Well, probably the biggest thing we think about when it comes to like summer safety is I think hydration. That's one thing that is probably the most concerning that we get enough hydration when it is getting warmer out. And since the body is 60% or so made of water, it makes sense that we want to get plenty of that when we are sweating more, we have to make up for it by eating or drinking it. So water is very important as I'm sure you've been told multiple times throughout your life. And a lot of people tend to underhydrate already. So it's even more especially important during the summer when there's higher temperatures, you might be sweating more, stuff like that. But Basically, want to cover first is why it's important that you're hydrating and the role water and fluids play with your body. So hydration is really important for body temperature regulation. And basically, it's always coursing throughout your body, making sure it's not going too high or too low, unless there's other factors that are affecting it. But with hydration, especially, it's focusing on that homeostasis. It also helps lubricate your joints. It'll help with preventing infection. Water and hydration is really important for delivering nutrients to your cells. And then overall organ function is maintained very heavily with hydration. So you may be thinking that hydration equals how much I sweat, but it's so much more than that. And that's why dietitians push so much for hydration. And that's why if you are dehydrated, it's so likely that you'll end up in the hospital in some way or other because the dehydration will lead to other negative effects like organ dysfunction, that sort of thing. So that's why hydration is so darn important. Yes. Exactly. So, So, sorry, guys. You got it. No, you got it. You got it. (laughs) Hydration status. Got this. You can make sure you're hydrated by, I mean, you could keep track of how many ounces of water you're drinking throughout the day, but a more practical way to do that is just to assess like your urine color. If it is like a light yellow color, you're probably doing just fine on hydration. Um, If it is getting to the point where it's super duper clear all the time, you might be overhydrating, which has complications as well. Here and there, if it is like a clear, you're okay. But if it's constantly clear, maybe back off a little bit. But again, like a light yellowish color is probably what we should be aiming for there. So another way to assess your hydration or basically figure out how much you should be drinking before, during, or after exercise, because normally 
oftentimes with hydration, we also look into sweat loss, which hopefully you're drinking water after you work out anyway, but you might notice if you're a more heavy sweater, you might, there might be larger volumes of <laughs> fluid leaving your body. So CPSDA, the Collegiate Professional Sports Dietitian Association, has various recommendations for hydration. And before exercising, they recommended they recommend that you start off well hydrated, that you're not going in dehydrated. And they recommend you drink about 16 to 20 ounces of water or a sports beverage at least four hours before you exercise, and then eight to 12 ounces of water 10 to 15 minutes before you exercise. Granted, this can be more challenging if you're doing a morning workout. Just try to hydrate the night before so that it'll carry over. You're not going to bed dehydrated. And then during exercise, I recommend drinking water or your sports beverage every 15 to 20 minutes. And this can either lead, this can either be composed of three to eight ounces of water for exercise less than 60 minutes, or they measure it as two to three large gulps, whatever, however you'd like to interpret that. And then they also recommend three to eight ounces of a sports beverage if you're exercising for longer than 60 minutes. That's also a big part of that hydration is with electrolytes, which we'll go into next. But the last component of that is after exercise, you're probably wondering, how much do I need to rehydrate with? What does that look like? So a very common practice with sports dietitians, and you can also do this yourself because it's kind of fun to do if you want to do some science and math with yourself is you measure how much you weigh before a workout. And if you don't feel comfortable weighing yourself, you're totally fine to exclude yourself from this. But you weigh yourself before exercise or your workout. And then after you weigh yourself and you see how much weight you'll lose. And this isn't like you're losing fat or muscle or whatever. This is including and taking into account your water loss, aka how much you sweat during your workout. And CPSDA recommends that for every pound you lose, you drink 16 to 24 ounces of fluid within two hours of exercising. So if like I lost two pounds of fluid after I exercised, I would try to drink 32 to 48 ounces of fluid within the next two hours. And stuff like that. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> I guess in terms of like summer, you could always maybe weigh yourself in the morning, you think, and then like at the end of the day, see how much you have lost, if anything. That mm -hmm. can be difficult though, because your weight will fluctuate from other factors too, like food you've eaten, yeah. going to the restroom. So yeah. I'm not quite sure. It probably does correlate best to workouts. And if you are outside exercising, this will definitely be of utmost importance because it's going to be hot and you're going to be probably sweating a lot more in the summer and hydration is even more important. Yeah. You could almost do like an assessment one day where you have a beach day or, you know, you'll be outside all day with friends or granted take whatever period of time you can assess and you know, you're not going to have other factors that will affect your weight and take that time to kind of see how your body changes and take that into account for the future. So, cause you yeah. don't have to like measure yourself every single time you work out and be like, oh, I need this many fluid, this much fluid this time. 
over time, you'll kind of feel yourself out, figure out if you're more of a heavier, lighter sweater, and then you can figure out how much fluid you need. Exactly. There are other recommendations besides the CPSDAs. Um, They're all quite similar, but the American Council on Exercise also has recommendations for what to drink before, during, and after exercise. And they say the same thing for after exercise. So drinking 16 to 24 ounces of fluid for every pound of body weight lost. But they say before drinking 17, 17 to 20 ounces of water two hours before the start of exercise. So it's a little bit more specific, I think, than CPSDAs. And then being sure to drink, this is probably what they mean by a gulp, drinking seven to 10 ounces of fluid every 10 to 20 minutes during exercise. Yeah. So I guess that's more of a numbers way to interpret what a gulp would be. So they're very similar. It's just put more into ounces from the American Council on Exercise. Yeah. And if you feel like you need more fluid, that's completely fine. You don't have to limit yourself to these ranges. They're more so to just give yourself an idea of how much you should be replacing. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important to note here as well that rehydration occurs best in the presence of sodium. So that's why sports drinks are a thing. It just helps sweaters or I guess athletes is usually the ones who are drinking those, but um, to kind of rehydrate with the fluid that they're getting in. So that's why sodium kind of plays a role here too. Yeah. Your electrolytes are very important. And oftentimes when you sweat a lot, you lose a lot of electrolytes and there's a lot that those affect. And that's why it's so important that you are replenishing them because oftentimes if you're not, they can also affect your fluid status, your hydration status, stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. So how, so now on to if an individual is not being conscious of their hydration status and how will they know if they might be dehydrated and could be experiencing signs of dehydration? This can, you can even notice in yourself or others to help prevent yourself from getting to that extreme other end, which we don't want you to reach with dehydration. But to just go over some quick early signs that will show up with dehydration, you might experience feelings of thirst, flushed skin, premature fatigue, an increase in body temperature, you may experience faster breathing and a pulse rate and an increased pulse rate. You additionally might observe an increased perception of effort where it's harder to do simple tasks. And then you might also observe that there's decreased exercise capacity. So if like you're playing beach volleyball or something or a sport outside and someone or yourself is really struggling to do something that you could normally do with no effort at all, that might be a sign of dehydration. Yeah. So if these signs start to show, obviously the first thing to do is start to hydrate. Yes. It's very important. Yeah. Some of the later and more serious signs of dehydration would be dizziness, that weakness or, you know, increased perception of effort gets worse. You know, you're, it's harder to do those basic tasks. And then labored breathing that also worsens right along with exercise. Prevention is key, but 
it's important to know the warning signs in case you can stop someone from getting very dehydrated. Yeah. So the next section, I found some recommendations from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics because I was curious what the daily recommendations were with hydration. I feel like I've heard so many different things around body weight, around how much you work out and all these other things. Age is a factor. So many different recommendations, but I did find very general recommendations that I think maybe would be like an average of everything. (laughs) But the Academy recommends that women consume 11 and a half cups of water each day. And then they also recommend that men consume 15 and a half cups per day. And it's really included to, it's, it's really important. (laughs) I just combine (laughs) words together. (laughs) So for existence. (laughs) Yeah. In included. um, Anyway, it's really important to also note that these recommend, these recommendations include both water from food and beverage sources. And I believe the note that they made, they made was, I forgot what percentage it was, but it took off about one to two cups of fluid from that recommendation because you'll automatically get it from food. And that's if you're consuming a balanced diet with high water containing foods, which we will discuss next. But these are, I'd say a good range to shoot for. There are many hydration guidelines out there, but these are one of the most general ones I found. Yeah. And since there are so many, that's why I think that using your urine is kind of the, just the best way to tell how you're doing. Um, Again, if it's like a light yellow color, you're probably doing okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So speaking of foods that have a whole lot of water in them, I guess the ones we always think of or include like watermelon. Everyone knows that has a, I almost said a bad word. I guess we are explicit on Spotify. So we are in every shit ton. <laughs> um, so actually all of our melon, watermelon, cantaloupe, those are all 90 to hundred percent water, which is crazy. Uh, strawberries are another good one. Lettuce. I guess that one makes sense. Carrots, celery, spinach, cabbage, and cooked squash. Do you know if raw squash? Or is it like once it cooked, it kind of like absorbs fluid? I guess it's cooked. That's what I found. I don't know why. Thanks, Academy. Yeah. Thanks, and Andy. (laughs) Um, I'm not quite sure because I always thought when food is cooked, the water is most likely evaporated. Yeah, maybe if you steam it. Oh, it did not specify. It did just say cooked. Yeah, well, Uh, I'm sure it's probably at least like 70% water, even if you... Yeah, you're still... Ate it raw. Don't hate on squash, even. (laughs) Just because it's not always 90 to 100%. (laughs) But no one's eaten raw squash, so I guess that would maybe be why the answer is cooked, but I don't know. Anyway... Um, some fruits and veggies that are a little bit lower, but still great sources of water would be bananas. That one's surprising to me. I didn't think of them as being like a high water content food, but grapes are another one. Oranges, pears, pineapples, 
Um, carrots were definitely also in the other category. So I'm a little confused about that one. <laughs> That's a mistake on my part. Okay. I thought I'm going to blame the Academy anyway. No. <laughs> and no. then cooked broccoli and avocados. Me. <laughs> They're going to like take away our licenses or something. Because I miss row what was on their account. Well, carrots are good in both. I was going to say either way, <laughs> don't hate on cooked squash or carrots. <laughs> raw or cooked (laughs) so another fun way to get in all these high water containing fruits and vegetables are smoothies which kind of just hit different in the summer (laughs) i I use that only about food that's it oh yeah um god (laughs) My thought process was there, and then you laughed at what I said, and now I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to embarrass you. <laughs> I just never heard you say that before, so it caught me by surprise. I'm a new individual, Hannah. Ooh, that's a t-shirt. Smoothies hit different. I love yes, it. Okay. Yes. Anyway. So, smoothies are very popular in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't already know, because not only are they a beverage but there also can be made a food <laughs> just saying that. is that why they hit different <laughs> no they just taste better can because i think emily likes smoothies <laughs> i really like smoothies but also local produce is better in the summer oh true because it's more fresh but that's what sustainability. But anyway, back to smoothies. You can include <laughs> not only these high water containing fruits and vegetables in your smoothies, but also adding additional liquids in there like juices, milk, stuff like that to make them more fun is a really great way to stay hydrated and take care of yourself while enjoying something that tastes really good. And you can add stuff on top of smoothies and make a little smoothie bowl. It's so versatile. I love smoothies. (laughs) Do you like coconut water? Would you ever add that to a smoothie? I love coconut water. Me too. I always forget about it. I never get it. Same. I think it's because it's expensive. It is. I'd rather just get milk and use that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'm putting in a smoothie now that tastes good. Not tastes good. Now that's, <laughs> I'm sure it tastes good. It would. Imagine doing like some frozen pineapple, coconut water. Ooh, like a very like tropical smoothie. Yeah, mango. Ooh, that's my next Instagram smoothie. Stay tuned. I'm excited. Also, go check out Hannah's chocolate strawberry smoothie. Yeah, thanks, pal. Posted it today. It's currently May 12th, but this will be coming out in like a <laughs> when month. When you listen to this in June, please refer back Go. to my post on May 12th. <laughs> At Hannah, look under Reels for a smoothie recipe. <laughs> well, actually, Reels are so weird because I posted one like three weeks ago that's just now starting to like get views. It's so weird. Is it on Instagram or TikTok? On Instagram. both are very different. So the kids know this. But I don't. <laughs> I'm not a kid anymore. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Something I noticed before over the past year of observation is I used to watch all my TikToks on Instagram, mm-hmm. but then in September or whatever, I downloaded TikTok finally, and I noticed that Instagram gets all the TikTok trends like weeks later. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's very right. normal. I would not sweat it. I think because on TikTok, the app, the trends are switching much more quickly and you kind yeah. of have to keep up with that. Yeah. But on Instagram, that's like the beauty of Instagram is you can post whatever you want because the trends haven't hit there yet. Instagram is now where the old people hang out, which is sad because that's us. I know. And then like the really old people, like the 30 year olds are on Facebook. So it's like, what's going to be like next? Oh, I don't know. But ne- we think go to the next thing. So we stay. Yeah, we got to stay now. relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So follow us on TikTok and Instagram where we may or may not be with the trends. It's hard to tell. (laughs) I can't keep track anymore. I can't scroll through both or I'll spend my entire day looking at reels and TikToks. I would recommend staying on top of TikTok. I feel because it changes more. That's true. I don't, I only follow like two people like you and like one other person. I think I got to get some people that I actually like, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, back to smoothies. (laughs) gosh smoothies are great yeah another oh, good way to yeah. uh, oh no, i was gonna I'll fight you for i was it. gonna plug you again <laughs> have i ever made popsicles before i don't think i have i have not but they sound really good well another fun way to hydrate other than just drinking a glass of water would be like a homemade popsicle they have all those cool like molds you can get now that you can just like make your own popsicles with whatever you want like juices or you could do like creamy ones with like yogurt base. You could probably make make a smoothie, put it in your popsicle mold and do like a smoothie pop. Oh my gosh, smoothies are That'd so versatile. I like made that joke with the <laughs> I made that joke with the smoothie bowls, but you're right, you can make popsicles out of them. I know, I just thought of that while I was saying it. You can make three different products with one original product. <laughs> oh god. Emily needs to be a spokesperson for some kind of smoothie company. <laughs> Someone um, DM me. <laughs> yeah, if you want us to do an ad for your smoothie business, we got you. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to think of fun <laughs> popsicle recipes, but I think a lot of them do either. They're either the fun yogurt ones or they're various fruits with a juice. Yeah. Coconut water, that'd be a good one. That that would be it's like a pina colada popsicle. That's that would be so good. But that brings me to my next point that you got to be careful of diuretics in the summertime, especially when we're sweating, such as alcohol and caffeine, because those can aid in the dehydration, which we don't want, obviously. Yes. So if you're making a pina colada popsicle, just think of it as neutral. It's not hydrating or <laughs> dehydrating you. It's right in yeah. the middle. Or do a alcoholic pina colada popsicle and then alternate it with a non-alcoholic pina colada popsicle. Double fisted popsicles. <laughs> yeah, if you take a bite of one, then you take a bite of the other. <sighs> Maybe that's a positive result. I don't know. Maybe you're gonna- <laughs> we are we are realistic dietitians. <laughs> yeah. We would never say don't have a popsicle. We say have two popsicles. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good, <laughs> I think that's a good wrap up on our fun ways to hydrate, but also yeah. be careful of caffeine and alcohol. Wait, also want to, I want to quickly note with the alcohol component is I feel like drinking on the beach is very popular in addition to day drinking in general, because I feel like 
people don't do that as much in the winter that I know about. Um, You're right. <laughs> You're so right. I didn't think about that. Just because, like, there are so many summer events outside, like festivals. There's Darties. other things to do outside besides festivals. I'm just blanking on everything. But basically, alcohol consumption is very normalized. I'm not saying that, like, in a bad way during the summer. But it's important, especially in that heat, that you are drinking water. Because just because alcohol is a fluid does not mean it is helping you with hydration, unfortunately. Yeah. I have to pee, as you know, constantly if I have alcohol. Oh, I thought you were saying now. Oh, no. I was like, are I you leaving? Soon, though, I have also for some reason like carbonation makes me have to pee really bad too. I don't know if that's, that's a so thing or interesting. Not, but yeah. Maybe hmm. it's because I like the taste of it and so I drink it faster. Maybe that's just oh. why I just get more volume in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? If anyone knows, let us know if you know anything about I just said no three times in less than two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <we're down> to... <laughs> Moving on. next topic is this is kind of we already discussed this but electrolytes associated with sweat and hydration and this you kind of just reiterate on on it you will lose sodium when you sweat heavily and we want to make sure you're replenishing those sodium stores and this can be seen oftentimes in those sport drinks like Gatorade, Powerade, stuff like that but also from just simply salting your food or consuming food that naturally has salt in it you're able to replenish your salt stores or sodium stores so that's something to be aware of when you might be sweating very heavily but that does not mean if you sweat a lot to just go eat a pile of salt or something <laughs> or anything like that don't overcompensate for it because the little bit goes a long way yeah yeah we don't need that much salt in the big picture no if you're just scooping it isn't it two teaspoons is that like what it equals out to be i think that sounds right so since it will be getting warmer out we want to touch on as well some things about heat stroke and heat exhaustion which i'm sure you've heard of before being in the sun can be dangerous if it is not if it's for too long of a period of time if you're not hydrating so we want to talk about what the symptoms of those look like and what they are so heat exhaustion is just a condition where again if you're in the sun for too long or you're overheating and symptoms may include heavy sweating a rapid pulse and again, it's just basically the body overheating. And this can turn into heat stroke, which is um, often a result of prolonged exposure to, or if you're being super duper active in high temperatures. And it kind of goes in the order of like heat cramps. So that's kind of like the first more mild sign that you're overdoing it in the heat to heat exhaustion then to heat stroke, which is very, very dangerous. So another large component of summer is the sun. (laughs) As you might be aware of, I don't know. You ever heard of it? (laughs) (laughs) But we really wanted to reiterate the importance of wearing sunscreen, 
sunglasses and hats. This isn't directly nutrition related, I'd say, but as you know, it's very important to wear sunscreen to protect your skin because not only will it increase your risk of getting wrinkles and drying out your skin more, but also it can lead to skin cancer and other skin conditions. And we don't want that. Even if you think you, I know you'll like looking darker because it might make you look more toned, which it it will because someone explained that to me somewhere where if you're darker, you can show in your tone more. I don't know. But it's important that you're using sunscreen that's at least SPF 50. And this is pretty hard to find, but this was the most common dermatologist. <laughs> like, what is, I was like, what's a profession? Dermatologist recommended intensity of SPF to get is 50. And they recommended reapplying pretty frequently. I think they said to try for at least two times a day if you're outside, but even more than that, if you're like going into water and basically over time, you can rub off from clothing, water, stuff like that, sweat. Yeah. Yeah. I follow, actually I do, I have been seeing a lot of dermatologist TikToks. That's one thing I have been into. And I have recently started, they'd be so proud, applying SPF every day even if I'm not really going outside. I know. I sit by some windows at work. And so I've been very cautious of that because I'm sure the sun's like right there. It's just going through a window, which is not that much of a barrier. I think it's just 35, but if I were to go out in the sun intentionally, I would definitely do a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Sunglasses to protect your eyes when you're outside. Please don't look directly into the sun (laughs) with sunglasses or without. And hats can also prevent additional shade from the sun and you'll look fashionable. What is dietetics? (laughs) We go from like pina colada popsicles to don't stare into the sun. (laughs) It needs to be said. It's it. It (laughs) I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it needs to be said. We just saved someone out there's life who's listening. (laughs) Or at least Uh, their vision. Yeah. Well, speaking of our friend, the sun, it does have some benefits it's not all bad it does make you look tan but again the risks of that do not outweigh the benefits of wearing sunscreen but you can and should and will what's the right what's the right verb um the sun gives you vitamin d is what i'm trying to spit out but i can't for some reason so we do absorb vitamin d the best when we do get it from the sun and if you live in the midwest like us we often don't get enough vitamin d because it's only sunny like two months out of the year here pretty much so we really try to soak it up during the summer months but the recommendation to get adequate vitamin d from the sun is to be out in the sun for 10 to 30 minutes several times per week to get your vitamin d yeah kind of Leading into our summer fun activities is barbecue season, which is very fun because the food is very good and you get to enjoy the outdoors and see so many people, hopefully, eventually, once COVID (laughs) decreases more. Um, But this is another time that you should be thinking about your health and this we can really discuss a lot about food safety because oftentimes 
you don't want to give your guests food poisoning. That would be a bad host. Number one, <laughs> you'll be a bad host. not come back next year. <laughs> and two, it's preventable. So yeah. why not? <laughs> You're really selling this. I don't know what mood I'm in today, but I don't. I don't know what's going on. I'm I just saying either. anything that comes to my brain. Your filter is not in place. Today. No, there's no filter today. <laughs> so it's really important when you're cooking foods to use a thermometer, especially with foods with like beef and poultry, because unless you're cutting open the middle and then recooking it and then turning it and then making sure everything's cooked and then it ends up well done and you might not like that. A thermometer is a very easy hack to just stick in your food and check the internal temperature. And the danger zone of when bacterial and microbial growth is optimal is 41 to 135 degrees Fahrenheit. So this is the range we want to avoid. If your food is in this period of or this range of temperature, temperature range <laughs> is in this temperature range, it can be at an increased risk of becoming a foodborne infection or pathogen, which we do not want. So we want to avoid that middle range by either keeping the food below 41 or even ideally at this point, if it's below, it's in a fridge or freezer, or it's on ice if it's you're serving a colder food, and then above 135 if it is a hot entree or side. Yeah, cold food stay cold, hot food stay hot. So if you do plan on storing your food for later, or you have extra of whatever dishes you made, it's really important that you get that product from 135 to 41 as quickly as possible because we want to stay out of that 41 to 135 range the least amount of time as possible. So not letting it sit outside for a really long period of time is important. If you know no one's going to come back to it, you can take care of that right away or after everyone serves themselves or got their seconds or thirds, whatever. And then if it is being held For longer periods of time, it's important that hot foods are kept at over 135 in order to prevent that bacterial growth. And any food that is hot and being held for longer than four hours should be discarded because it has been outside for too long and there's too high of a risk at that point that the bacteria had grown on your food. So you want to get everything put away before four hours or eaten before four hours. I'm like getting flashbacks to my decade of food service experience. A scary time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. One last fun summer thing we want to touch on is travel as people are often traveling more in the summer. And really all I want to say here is just some different snack ideas rather than going out to eat all the time. Again, I'm a big fan of eating out. So doing that here and there is just fine. But if you are looking for different snacks to bring on the road, here are some ideas for you. I like to do like a homemade trail mix or you could buy a trail mix, but I like to do it homemade so I can get rid of the raisins because who likes raisins? I'll do like, (laughs) unless you go to Target. Actually, I have some right here. 
Target has like these really good. Actually, there's raisins in this one. Anyway. <laughs> this is controversial. You just hate it on raisins and now I you have revolution. raisins. Well, in I'm your not going to eat them. I'm going to pick them out because they're disgusting. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, trail mix is great. You could add whatever you want, like nuts and seeds and some kind of sweet usually is good, like a chocolate or M&M. Um, beef jerky is a great high protein snack for on the road. And all of these really hold well too. They don't need to be kept cold or hot. Granola bars, protein bars, fruit, of course. And then along with the fruit, it actually is peanut butter. It's always a good thing to have with it too, to keep you full for longer. So these are our fun and hopefully helpful tips for this summer because we want you to stay safe, take care of yourself and enjoy the nice weather. So moving on to our bonus question, this is a really fun one that I don't know. I thought of it randomly one day and I was like, we need to discuss this. (laughs) So I asked, and now we're asking the council, is what is the best season for themed foods? And for context of examples I wrote down... (laughs) let's go through spring first because that's the best one i couldn't think of any spring food so i put um rainy question mark water i have no idea what spring foods are i just think of all i can think of was like flowers but yeah we don't eat that and there's not really berries oh that's true but even that's like summer, like you could have like fresh fruit is summer, like you have on your list here. Yeah. So I don't think spring has themed foods. So maybe there just there aren't really any holidays either in the spring. Mother's There's Day. Easter. Easter. Yeah. Well, I think like, our apprehension is showing that spring is not the winter. Yeah. Justice for spring, but also I don't I'm not upset if there's Yeah nothing else (laughs) so another example then leading on to summer i noted like fresh fruit picnics barbecue ice cream stuff like that there's a very high contender on best season themed foods and then fall which is a whole nother thing with all the pumpkin and then all the halloween themes stuff and then lastly i talked about or i wrote down winters like soups stews i wrote peppermint mochas and like smiley hot face chocolate. by the way <laughs> she wrote peppermint mocha smiley face <laughs> yes but i would love to hear hannah go first because i thought i knew but then the more i thought about it i did not know what my favorite season is for themed foods i currently am having an internal two-way tie between summer and fall I think fall is a little bit ahead just by like a hair because if you guys know me, you know that I love pumpkin stuff. I have like an entire like highlight on my Instagram of like all the pumpkin stuff that I get. That's like my goal from like October to November is just to like find all the pumpkin things. So that is making fall very convincing for me because I am a big pumpkin lover, but I also love a, a picnic and a barbecue. I love like a pulled pork sandwich, ribs. Uh, I just love actually like barbecue sauce itself is delicious. Baked beans, coleslaw, watermelon. I love like 
barbecue desserts like poke cakes and like that kind oh, of yeah. stuff I feel like are always very summery so I can't decide I think fall is like a little bit ahead because I do love pumpkin and it is just very suitable for that time of year but summer is very close behind it okay that's what my tie was also between for basically the same reasons but I think after hearing you talk about it I think I'm going to go with summer only because I have so much excitement toward fall with pumpkin because I also am a huge pumpkin lover but I just think maybe it's like the association with like school being out in the summer even though we're not in school anymore (laughs) (laughs) but like summer seems there's like just such good vibes with summer and everyone seems to be happier because they're outside and enjoying the sun and I feel like the food is such a big component of summer and just having a good time so I might be just associating the food with being happy during the summer. that is not the question my friend the question is what the best season is for theme you're right foods. you're right all right then I'm gonna go fall I have a I think I have a better life experience but I agree with you like I I think I agree because summer food I think tastes really good and it's like maybe even better than pumpkin foods but pumpkin is just so folly and I like look forward to that every year it's a really good time for pumpkin that makes sense yeah so we're team fall if you disagree then we'll know you're a pumpkin hater (laughs) which is common Ross doesn't like pumpkin some of the girls I work with don't like pumpkin it's just not as popular it's either like one extreme or the other I think yeah which I guess the team that likes pumpkin won because I feel like so much of the world revolves around pumpkin in the fall yeah I get I'm not upset about things I love it so much yeah I know I've talked about the pumpkin cream cold brew on here before yes so good yes I'm excited for it now and it's like May. <laughs> it usually comes out though like it's after a certain holiday. What is like a summery holiday? July, August. Is it after Labor Day? I don't know. I it usually Labor comes Day. out yeah very early like late summer more so than fall. Mm-hmm. So that's very good for those of us who drink like 15 of them in a season. Yes. Well thank you guys again for tuning in to this episode. Like Emily said we hope you learned something. And we hope you have a safe and wonderful summer, which we'll be here for. But yes, we will be. But yeah, let us know if you like smoothies. <laughs> let us know if you like smoothies, if you like raisins and the best summer or the best summer. Gosh, the best season for themed foods. Yeah. The questions of the day. Please let us know. Yeah. All right. Cool. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of The Upbeat Dietitians with your hosts, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.